Well, thank you, Pastor Vernon, and appreciate the great friendship and partnership that we've had for a number of years now with Calvary Baptist Church and Health Ministries, and uh, what a blessing. I've, uh, I was asked to preach yesterday by Pastor, and uh, I don't know if you'd call it preaching, but we're going to open the Word of God, and probably would be more teaching this evening, so I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. If the guys would go ahead and pull up the slides for me. Uh, I've got a, there's a lot of verses we want to look at this evening. I'm going to put a number of them. They're going to be up on the screen to help us to transition. And, and uh, of course, we have a simple question that all of us know the answer. And the question is this, will the church go through the tribulation? Now, we know the answer is no. We want to look at, if you were asked to give a Bible answer, if somebody out uh, uh, you met in a coffee shop or uh, at, at a restaurant or in an elevator somewhere in an airport, and they said, okay, I understand you believe that, but why could you defend it with the Word of God? And, and how is God uh, doing, uh, performing His plan and His functions? And so we want to look at that this evening. Uh, look with me, if you wouldn't mind. I'd, I'd like for you to just begin turn two places to Genesis chapter number 18. And then go ahead and find your place in Matthew chapter number 23, 24 area. We're going to spend some time in those two portions of Scripture. So Genesis chapter number 18. And also go ahead and find your place in Matthew 23 and 24. Now in Genesis 18, as you're finding your place in these two places, the Lord is going to do something. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And He's minded to tell Abraham... What he's going to do. And he's going to reveal to Abraham his plan. And we're now in Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 23. And the Bible says, And Abraham drew near and said, And he's asking God a question. Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So Abraham has a question. Lord, you're going to destroy the city now. Uh, are you telling me, God, that you're going to destroy, if there's righteous people in this city... Uh, you're going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked. I just can't believe, God, far be it from you to do such a thing. The boldness of Abraham, the friend of God. And he said, if there's 50 there, would you spare it? And God said, if there's 50, I'll spare it. What about 45? I'll spare it. What about 40, 30, 20, 10? The Lord even told Abraham... If there were ten, that he would spare it and not destroy ten righteous amongst a city full of wicked. Now, if you guys will give me the next slide, in light of that, I hope you can see this. It's 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 through 9. And turning to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he condemned them with an overthrow. In, in, in verse number 7, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. It's interesting, Lot didn't even really want to be delivered. But God's going to pull him out. Uh, for that righteousness, now verse, verse 8, 
for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I love this verse. The last verse, verse 9. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You know, God knows how to handle it and make sure that the righteous and the wicked don't suffer together. And you can make no mistake about it. The judge of all the earth is going to do right. And we want to look at the word of God this evening and prove out what we know to be the case. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives, your mercy, your grace. Lord, the, the lengthy prayer list, we uh, once again mention it to you. We ask you, Lord, to work. We thank a pastor, Miss Lori, and her mother, the passing of her mom, Miss Hand, and we pray for the family. We pray for just a touch from heaven. Then we ask you to meet with us tonight as we look at a subject that's, that's quite deep and lengthy, and, and yet we're going to try to just kind of skim some of the surface of it this evening in the short time that we have to work with. So, Lord, I pray your help and, your, and, uh, and just the Spirit of God would move. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the church go through the tribulation? Now, if you could pull up the next slide for me, please. We're going to look at the purpose of the tribulation. There's two purposes for the tribulation period. Number one, it's to purify and prepare Israel for coming king. And we're going to see this in, in, in slides later on. And number two, it's to try them that dwell on the earth. In Matthew chapter 24, I've asked you to turn, I'll hold your place there. Go ahead and flip over to Matthew 24 and we'll be there for just a bit. As we'll have the other verses up on the screen and verse number 21 for then shall there be great tribulation such as not was since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be there's coming a time when God is going to unleash his wrath upon this earth now we as Christians as fundamental Baptists we believe that before this happens that God is going to rapture the church we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. We believe in a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ. Uh, we believe in a seven-year tribulation period, just as the Bible speaks of. It's literal. Uh, it, it's, it's just the way God said it's going to be. It's not figurative. Uh, it, it is an event that's going to take place on this very earth that we live in. But we know, based on the authority of the Word of God, that before this happens, God's going to remove us. And we're going to see this from Scripture tonight. It's going to bear it out. But the purpose of the tribulation is, uh, number one, I want you to look at Jeremiah 37. It's on the screen. Uh, Alas, for that great day, uh, the day is great. That is, there's none like it. It's even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. The tribulation passages in the Bible, uh, they relate to God's program with Israel, never to God's program with the church. And uh, we, we also need to understand one thing, that God has a separate plan with Israel as a nation and a separate plan with the church. The two are not interchangeable. The church didn't replace Israel. All the prophecies that were there for Israel are still there for Israel. Uh, they've not been, uh, you know, nullified or negated by any choices that they've made. They are still there. Those were some unconditional promises that God made to them, and they will be fulfilled. And so the church doesn't enter into those promises. But the church doesn't in enter into this suffering either. It's, uh, it's dealing with God's program for Israel. If you'd give me the next slide, please. 
So now in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, there's a key portion of Scripture, and pastors dealt with this uh, in, in times past, and we won't have time tonight to really deal much with it at all, just to throw it up. But, but it, and I'll say this, if you're here tonight, we're going to cover a lot of material. If you would like copies of these notes, if you just get in touch with the church office, I'll be glad to send some notes that we could copy so you could have these. I just found out yesterday that I was going to be doing this tonight. I put this together this afternoon. I had all intentions of having some handouts to give to you tonight, but my, time flies when you're having fun, and I was not able to get it done, okay? But I will do that for you if you would like. So I want you to look at, in, in the first verse in, in Daniel nine twenty four where it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. Now, God's writing to Daniel here. And he said, upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring into everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy to prepare Israel for her king. Now, if we could look at the next slide. Uh, this slide, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it up here for you. If you decide to get these notes, you can see this is God's program, God's timetable. Suffice it to say, uh, of, De- of Daniel's 70 weeks, each week is representative of a seven-year period. Uh, all, 69 weeks have passed. 69 weeks have been fulfilled. There's one week out there. And, uh, and when the uh, Antichrist comes on the scene and signs a peace treaty with Israel, then the time clock's going to begin to run, and the final seven years is going to tick off. And it's during that time that this tribulation is going to take place. But it has nothing to do with the church and God's relationship to the church. It has everything to do with God's relationship to Israel. And so this particular prophecy is dealing with Israel, not the church. And so let's move to the next slide if we could. Now, we might, lest we think ill of God... Uh, and, and we think, well, God's going to put Israel through tribulation. We, well, yes, he is, but let's look. Let's look at what's happened. Now, we see in these verses here in Luke 19 that when he was come, when he was come near, he beheld the city. This is Jerusalem, and he wept over it. Here's what he said. If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. God saying, Jerusalem, Israel, if you only knew the plans that I had for you, God had better plans than this for his people. He came with an offer for them to be their king. He came into his own to be their king, but they received him not. They rejected him. They said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. And they didn't realize what they we're doing and the Lord's weeping he, he doesn't want his people to to suffer but he knows they're going to suffer why because they have rejected God they have rejected his plan now look back with me in Matthew you should be there in Matthew if you guys give me the next slide Matthew chapter number 23 and we see uh, again in verse number 37 Matthew 23 37 Oh, Christ is speaking here. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. 
For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem, what did they do? They killed the prophets. They stoned God's messengers. You think of all the people that would come and say, Thus saith the Lord. They didn't want to hear it. They ill-treated them. They, 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 they took the life of Christ. They didn't want to listen to anything he had to say. And the Lord said, Look, I wanted to bring you in. I wanted to protect you. I wanted to bring you in like a hen would those little baby children and just brood over you and keep you under the shelter of my wing. That's what I wanted. But you would not. You would not. And so this purpose of the tribulation to try to prepare Israel, you know, it wasn't the way God wanted it to happen. But it's the way that Israel wanted it to happen. So we need to understand about that for Christ. So the purpose, if you guys give me the next slide, please. Is, uh, is to prepare Israel for her king, and then secondly, to try the earth dwellers. Now we see in Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept thy word of my patience, speaking uh, to the church at Philadelphia, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, we're going, to, we're going to look at a number of passages here in the book of Revelation. I'm going to pull them up on the screen for you. And if you guys could go ahead and give me the next slide, please. And we're going to see something here, that this purpose is for those that dwell on the earth. Look at Revelation 6.10. And they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? Now, these are folks that are, that are martyrs for Christ. That have, uh, that have lost their life because of their stand for God. And they're going to ask a question. How long dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that, look at it, dwell on the earth? Revelation 11.10 And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. God's going to send two men and, uh, and two prophets. And they're going to have special powers and they're going to proclaim uh, the, the gospel. And, uh, and they're going to have powers uh, you know, similar to Old Testament prophets. And, uh, and the people, when they die, their bodies are going to lay in the street. They're not even going to bury them. And the, the world's going to rejoice at these men that were God's messengers, the, the earth dwellers, the people that are dug in, the people that, that like this system that we find ourselves in, that thrive and, uh, and do well under this system. Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names, and this is talking about the beast, uh, uh, the Antichrist rather, shall worship him. Now I love this part, whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now we know right there, not one single person is going to be in this group who has their name written in the lamb's book of life. I like that, don't you? Revelation thirteen twelve. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the beast. Revelation thirteen fourteen, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. And then Revelation seventeen eight, we see it again. Uh, we see earth dwellers, but once again we see something whose names were not written in the book of life. So two times in these verses that we pulled up here, we see that this is for people that dwell on the earth. This is not for people who have their names written in the book of life. And that's us. If you're here tonight and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then your name's written in that book. And guess what? This tribulation period is not for you. 
But if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you could die of natural causes and go to a place called hell. Or you could endure the tribulation and still go to that place if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you give me the next slide, I want to let you guys in on a little secret. We're not earth dwellers. Ephesians 2, 6, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For our conversation is in heaven, our citizenship, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, those people that are dug in, that love this place, that love this system, that love everything about it, that's not us. In fact, there's a lot of it that we can't stand, that we don't like, that we would change if we could, that we're going to get out and vote and try to make a difference. But we're powerless, but I'm here to tell you, there's somebody that is, that has the power to make a change. And one day, he's going to step on the scene, and his power is going to be revealed his wrath's going to be unleashed but not on us not on you not on me if you give me the next slide we're not earth dwellers the lord's praying in john 17 i pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. When the Jews rejected him and that offer was for an earthly kingdom, then he started working on a heavenly kingdom. And the Jews said no, but the Christians said yes. And he said, These people in this kingdom, it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. They're not an earthly people. They're a heavenly people. And we're not earth dwellers. Give you the next slide. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now hath obtained mercy. I, I dearly beloved, I beseech you, look at this, as strangers. And pilgrims, strangers and pilgrims, this is not our home. We're not earth dwellers. We didn't get settled in here. We can't wait. Hey, we feel like traveling on. We've got a heavenly home that's bright and fair, and we're about sick of this world, and we're ready for that one. I used to have all these things that I wanted to do before the Lord came back, this bucket list. But I don't have anything on the list anymore, Randy. Give me the next slide, please. Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. Now I want you to see this. Now we're going to talk about something that the Bible calls a mystery. A mystery. Ephesians chapter number 3. I'll give you just a second to turn there. Now a mystery is not something we, we, we sometimes think, oh, mystery. That means, well, we can't understand it. No, a mystery is not something that you can't understand. A mystery in the Bible is something that up to this point you didn't know. And now it's going to be revealed. It was a mystery to all people before the time of the revelation. And this particular mystery that we're going to talk about was not known to the Old Testament prophets. So when they made prophecies, they couldn't speak of it. They couldn't see it. It's how many folks would come to believe that there was a general resurrection, a general judgment because of the way the Old Testament prophets saw it. They saw everything together. But they could not see the church. They didn't know that there was...
going to be a, a pause in between the 69th week and the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. They thought it was all going to run together. Now, if you're there with me in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse number 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. Now, this dispensation that we live in now is the dispensation of grace. Dispensationalism is a whole other subject matter. I like that one too, but that's not what we're doing tonight. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So Paul was let in on something that was previously unknown. He said, as I wrote afore in a few words. Here it is, verse 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So there's this thing that's just now coming on the scene that nobody knew about before, and it was a mystery to the Old Testament saints and the Old Testament prophets, but now God's revealed it. And here's the mystery. We see it in verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. See, the Jews thought it was for them. But God had a little secret they didn't let them in on that it wasn't just for them, that it was for the world. And they're just now, this has just been revealed. It was something that was a mystery. Nobody knew it before this time. God knew it, but He chose not to reveal it. It's just been revealed now. So there's no way something that's just now being revealed could be mentioned in the Old Testament because the prophet couldn't see it. Now, we've got some verses on the screen. Let's look to these, Colossians 1.25. Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God. We see that word again. Which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, they, the Israel had prophecies of Christ coming to set up a kingdom and rule and reign on the throne of David. And that's one set of prophecies. But there's something else that they didn't realize that he was going to come and set up a heavenly kingdom. And he was going to come and rule and reign not on a throne of David, but in the hearts of his people. And uh, uh, Isaiah didn't know that. And Jeremiah didn't know that. Ezekiel didn't know that. Even old Lamentations, he didn't know that. That's a terrible joke, but he didn't know it either but we know it Amen. give me the next slide if you wouldn't mind so what could the old testament writers see we get a glimpse in a couple of places isaiah 9 and 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given we love that right Amen. and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When Jesus came, for unto us a child was born and a son was given, but the government was not upon his shoulders, and he did not sit upon the throne of his father David. But you can understand how it would have been difficult for the Jewish people to make sense of what was happening, but God in his infinite wisdom chose to do it this way and so they could only he only fulfilled a portion of that in his first advent and he will fulfill the remaining portion when he comes again i can see right now we are never ever going to finish this if you give me the next slide if you wouldn't mind and then just skip right past it the old testament writer okay so let here we are the old testament writer will stop right there he could not see the church he could he could only see the coming of Christ. If he couldn't see the church, then how could he possibly see what we know as the rapture? He couldn't see it. It wasn't revealed. Nobody knew that God was going to do this thing. That he was going to call out the Gentiles. That Christ was going to dwell in the hearts of the believers. That before he did this, he executed his wrath. Before he did that, he was going to grab his people up and, and usher them to safety. No one knew that. What could the Old Testament writers see? Now, I'll give me the next slide. Will the church go through the tribulation? John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But we see from this verse that if we have the Son, we have life, and we don't have the wrath of God abiding on us. Acts 1, 11 uh, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. Uh, he's coming back. The Christians were told he's coming again. Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me the next slide, please. Colossians 3.4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then ye, ye also appear, ye shall also appear with him in glory. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now imagine if we're honest and we've got to go through the tribulation before Christ come, and we're not looking for the blessed hope. We don't really want him to come in our lifetime because that means if he's going to come at the end of the tribulation period, we've got to go through seven of the worst years that mankind has ever known. We just say, let's just die, and then we'll go to heaven, and we don't want to go. But no, 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 we know that's not the case, so we want him to come because he's going to come before the tribulation. But we see in first. Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, look at this, which delivered us from what church? From the wrath to come. Will the church go through the tribulation? Give me the next slide, please. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Give me the next slide. Will the church go through the tribulation? Behold, I show you, what's the word church? A mystery. Whoa! 
Here's something that you didn't know before. Now I'm going to let you in on a secret. And the Old Testament prophets didn't know this. Here's the mystery. What's the mystery? You're not all going to be asleep, but you're going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of the eye, boom, God's going to change you. He's going to translate you into glory, and you're going to escape the wrath of God. I was teaching on these with, a, with another pastor friend in Iraq right before COVID. And they never had a lot of training. And I was teaching on this particular subject matter, geared a little differently, a little bit deeper. We spent 40 or 50 hours teaching throughout the course of the week. We went a little deeper with the dive than we're able to go tonight. But I saw it. I saw the wheels turning in the eyes of the preachers. You know what? They didn't know it. They didn't know that there was a rapture that was going to happen before the tribulation. Some of them thought they were living in the tribulation period based on the way that life was for them. Based on the way they'd been, you know, uh, tormented from people around them and tortured and known people that have lost their lives. And they're thinking, we're in the tribulation. And, and we explain to them, listen, make no mistake about it. Don't confuse what man's going to do to you with what God in His wrath and what He's going to pour out. And when they begin to understand that they didn't have to go through the tribulation, they got these smiles on their faces. And, uh, and so we had to come up. The, our word rapture is not in the English Bible and, uh, and the King James Bible, but the phenomenon's there. And so they're trying to figure out what's this word. And so we went to all the places where it is, and they come up with the word that they were going to go back and teach their people that they didn't have to go through the tribulation because they're going to experience this thing called the rapture. I'm telling you what, that's tough. That's top five in my life. Disney World has nothing on that. <laughs> Romans 5, 9, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. How is it? How, how, how can we be saved? Through Him. See, all the wrath that we deserve, that God would have pointed at us, all the wrath wrath was placed on him when he hung there on the cross and he absorbed all of it all the shame and punishment and so in him we escape the wrath of God and the only people that will escape that wrath are the people that are in Christ Revelation 3.10 because thou hast kept the word of my patience I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world we read this verse earlier to try them that dwell upon the earth Turn with me now to Revelation chapter number 4, if you would. Give me the next slide, please. The first three chapters of Revelation deal with the church. After this, the words church is not mentioned. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which much must be hereafter. So now we know this is not the things that were, the things that are, the things that shall be. We're talking about the things that shall be. Give me the next slide, please. Will the church go through the tribulation? Now, in Revelation chapter 4, we have an interesting uh, group of people here. I'm going to read, uh, I read Revelation, I need to get the Revelation. Wow, that'll help me. I'm saying it ain't. It ain't, it ain't saying what it's supposed to say. Here it is. Revelation 4, I read verse 1. Let's look at verse 2. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like 
unto an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now I've always wondered, who in the world are these people? Who are these people, these four and twenty elders? Now look at verse number 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Man, I, I sure would like to be with these guys, but, but we don't know who they are. Revelation chapter 5, let's look and see if we can get some more insight. Verse number 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they, they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And now we know who the four and twenty elders represent. And we see that they're right there in heaven already in white robes with their crowns on before God ever unleashes his wrath. And will you quickly look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We read some verses from Matthew chapter 24. It's the Olivet Discourse. The disciples are going to ask a question to the Lord. What shall be the sign of thy coming? When shall these things be? And God lays out the plan. The plan of the prophetic calendar and procedures with Israel. But now here in Thessalonians, in the book of Thessalonians, he's not talking to Israel. Look at verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night or, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to know the times or the seasons. You don't need to know when all this is going to take place, because long before that happens, or shortly before that happens, God's going to usher you out, and the things that it speaks of is, is the earth dwellers and the world, and it's going to catch them by surprise, and they're going to think, what in the world happened? But we see it coming and we're going to know exactly what happened and God has not appointed you to wrath so I say that the church will not go through the tribulation God's going to pour out his wrath on Israel and on the earth dwellers but we won't get caught in the crossfire he knows how to pull us out and protect us. 
and he's got a perfect plan. Will you stand with me, please?